Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Tonight, we continue with our series of That One Play. And we're going to talk about a great one here. Marcus Peters, pick six versus Seattle in 2019. His first game with the Ravens. Here to discuss that with me is Austin Chan. Austin, how are you doing? I'm doing well today, Ken. How are you? Uh, great to have you on. I, I, I love that somebody picked this play. It definitely would have been one of the ones I picked. A couple plays from this game and i'm sure you'll probably mention the other but leave it for somebody else as well in terms of 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 key plays in this game but the the pick six by peters was really something special uh set us up as you would for where the ravens were in the 2019 season or whatever else you want to do about the setup yeah so this season i think we started off coming into this game with four and two um the mvp buzz around the mall really hadn't started yet i think um we had the one first few games, those were nice. The big Miami game with just a blowout, but then Kansas City and uh, Cleveland were a little rough. Um, and then Pittsburgh and uh, what the Cincinnati after that, those games were pretty close wins. So coming into this, Ravens kind of good middle of the package team going against MVP candidate Russell Wilson in Seattle. So big road game um, and what turned out to be a big turning point in the season. Yeah, it looked like a looked like a really tough game coming up for the Ravens, who had not. I don't. They obviously were tested by that Chiefs game and and uh, came up short in that. And and the Browns, they really got blown out by. Uh, but the nice thing about weeks five and week six are the Ravens really solved two problems on defense during those weeks. They they fixed their inside linebacker position with the acquisitions of Bynes and Fort, who were now on the field as uh, uh, very significant roles in a platoon system at weak side linebacker and. And binds back at that Mike spot, uh, uh, bailing out, frankly, the Ravens defense in an unbelievable way. That rebuild of the defense on the fly was incredible. Um, the other component of the defense that had been changed is a little bit less, a little bit more under the radar. But the the green dot had been held by three players already in 2019. Uh, actually, four. Patrick Owasso had it for a half the first game of. Uh, actually, wait a minute. That's 2018. It's 2019. Uh, no, I'm right. 2000, 2000 and, uh, and, uh, 19. So Owasso had it, uh, briefly, uh, did not, did not keep it. And, and, uh, it went then to Eric Weddle who had it briefly, uh, then to Tony Jefferson, uh, and the Ravens prefer to have a strong safety or inside linebacker have that role. Uh, and then he gave it over to Chuck Clark when he got hurt. And then Chuck Clark has had it ever since. So uh, uh, one game out of Geno Stone, I believe, in the in the intervening time. But those two problems had been solved. The cornerback problem was still there. So what did the Ravens do? Yeah, so the Ravens, they made a pretty big trade. They got, acquired Marcus Peters from the Rams. The Rams had just gotten Jalen Ramsey, so a little bit of a cornerback carousel there. And this was uh, his first game as a Raven. So and what the Ravens gave up for, for Marcus Peters still kind of amazes me in, in a sense. They gave up a fourth-round pick. Um, a they gave up uh young and was there anything else that went or is that the entire package young and a fourth round pick it seems like there might have been something else like an exchange of a fourth for something else maybe i'm wrong about that uh but anyway it seemed like at the time ravens are getting an extremely high risk high reward cornerback one of the best known gamblers at the position in the nfl yeah i think it was yeah tra- conversation was pretty small like fourth round roughly around there and 
Uh, yeah, Marcus Peters, I think a bit of a downswing, I guess, reputationally at that point in his career. Um, so I guess it felt like we're getting a bit of a discount. Uh, or in retrospect, we end up getting a pretty big discount there. Yeah, I, it, that's true. I, I want to. I, I know that the the one thing that's really kind of kind of out there is what Marcus Peters' passer rating against was in the in his time at LA at the beginning of 2019 because it wasn't good. Yeah, the NFL passing 97.4 in the six games he played for LA, and that's according it's to the high. FF here. Yeah. So uh, obviously the and, and then he came to the Ravens. Uh, became an all-pro for the remainder of the year. He's kind of, <laughs> kind of like Roquan Smith, a little bit, honestly, in terms of the acquisition. Passed the rating against him the rest of the year with Baltimore, 69.0. Pretty good. Pretty damn good. Definitely all-pro kind of level. Him and uh, Humphrey on the same team. That was yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, it still really, is. <laughs> it, it, it really is a, a, incredible that the Rams couldn't couldn't get more out of him. Given they had they had some good you know they had a quality defensive backfield there too it's just it's surprising but they didn't anyway and uh, and uh, happy birthday to us I guess here <laughs> in Baltimore so tell us a little bit set up set up for us the game if you would yeah so I think at this point we were I think down maybe by three or seven um, not too much of it going on offensively Seattle was driving with the ball they were like maybe the thirty ish yard line in our territory. Um, it's like what first or second down? I don't remember the exact down distance, but earlyish down. <laughs> uh, so it's in the second quarter, right? Yeah, first yes. half. Like five twelve to go in the second half. Third and six was the play at the, third and at, six, the at the Baltimore thirty four. Yeah. Yeah. So you want me to just go into the play? Sure. Talk about it. Sure. Yeah. So, um, like third and six, Russell Wilson takes snap out of takes a snap, looks to his right, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and sees what looks like a wide open receiver and just kind of lobs the ball up there. And Marcus Peters, he's doing typical Marcus Peters things, watching the quarterback the entire time, um, just kind of drifts back away from the receiver during the whole play. And then right when Russell Wilson, maybe a little like a little like a second before Russell Wilson throws the ball, he just drives right on it. Um, receiver's standing there, and Marcus Peters just flies by him, picks up the ball, and runs the whole distance of the field. Uh outruns Russell Wilson, who's fast on his own right back then, but uh he just I think it was just a couple steps behind, but basically all Marcus Peters completely alone down the sideline for a touchdown. Yeah, still still an outrageous play uh in, in so many ways. And one of the things that really gets me about it is just how much he baited Russell Wilson into this. Now Russell Wilson's a good quarterback. He didn't make a lot of mistakes like this. And at that point in the season he had an absurd uh, touchdown to interception ratio. I need to look. I think this he had up no here. picks. Yeah, you're right. He had no picks in the first in the first six games. He was twelve and zero in touchdowns interceptions. So definitely was looking. He hadn't had a passer rating under 102. His passer ratings for for games to that point. Um, I'm sorry, six six games in, actually 14 and 0, not 12 and 0. So 134, 131, 102, 114, 151, and 117 had been his passer rating. So that's uh, pretty outstanding. And obviously, Peters just played him like a fiddle. Step back, as you said. It's just I, I, I completely baited him into the throw, and then he drove right back on it like he knew what was happening. 
Peters has always been a guy who's impressed me since in his time with Baltimore as being able to work very well with what the defensive defense was offering in terms of a pass rush. If he knew a blitz was coming, he knew that was a big opportunity to gamble, and he knows he doesn't have to be right all the time to gamble. He's not afraid to lose an occasional bet. Yeah, when you have a payoff like this, even if you like giving up a first down 80% of the time, perfectly fine if the other 20% is an interception, especially for six points. Yeah, a great point. And that's that's a, that's probably about exactly the level. I know I looked at it once for the Cincinnati game that was interception, I think in the in the game the Warrior Ravens won big. And it was a, it was a similar kind of a pick. He stepped in front of an out route uh and he knew it was coming, complete gamble because if he if he's wrong on that, they might throw over him and get a first down or even a touchdown. But still, in terms of the 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 uh, where they were on the field uh, and and a pick six being being the alternative, he didn't. He only had to be right about twenty percent of the time to to make it a a, a break even gamble. And uh, he's he's just outstanding. He and he and Ed Reed have a lot of similarities in that respect. Yeah, I can see him on this play too. Like if you if you if you guess is wrong, it's not that big a deal because the receiver's still in front of him, right? It's not like he's going to get burned for a touchdown on that play. Uh, probably not. I guess. Yeah. I guess you know, if if he sees that he he might he might be able to see that he that that, he, that the ball is going to be caught in front of him before it actually happens. Yeah, because uh, he's looking. If the quarterback hasn't, if the quarterback doesn't throw the ball, then he knows. Okay, maybe I need to back off. I guess. <laughs> anyway, I, I, fantastic, fantastic play. Uh, I, you know that that game is more remembered, obviously, for the fourth and two run by Lamar later. I would say. Uh, although they're both fantastic plays, so Peters gave the Peters interception gave him the lead they would never relinquish. Uh, they they went up thirteen to ten with that and, and went into halftime, I believe, like that. But the the uh, uh, the fourth and two play uh, from the I think the, it was the eight yard line that was uh, was spectacular in its own right, not just for uh, you know the play itself, but for for Lamar's hell yeah, let's go for it, Yonda's reaction, you know the, the oh that's my quarterback stuff. And the way of the Ravens completely telegraphed exactly what they were doing in terms of heavy personnel and ran it anyway. Oh yeah, I was I was at the game at the stadium, so I'm not sure if on the broadcast if you heard any of that kind of uh, Lamar John Harbaugh saying that stuff live. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm looking at that, and you know, I kind of wanted them to go for it just a little bit. I wasn't quite in the full like fourth down every time phase, but mm-hmm. yeah, seeing them line up for it and be like, oh my god, they're actually gonna run the snap, and then seeing them running for the touchdown is. Just like a mind-blowing experience. Yeah, actually, the game was still eat, was was caught up. So I, I was wrong earlier about that. Was the lead they never relinquished? They, they, Seattle got the game tied at thirteen, and that was the that was the play that put them up in twenty to thirteen. Somebody else wants that play. We'll talk about it more because there's a whole lot of other intricacies to that formation. I just love and and uh, in terms of reviewing it. But talk about a little bit about what happened to the 2019 Ravens from this point on. Yeah, so they did not lose a game for the rest of the regular season. Um, that's a pretty big qualifier there at the end. Um, but yeah, the rest of the regular season was just one big Lamar win after another. Um, I think week their eighth game of the season. I think I think the Patriots were eight zero. Mm-hmm. Um, Ravens were either I guess seven or Ravens had eight or nine games played at that point. Um, but there was Sunday night football against the New England Patriots at home, and Lamar just carved the Patriots defense up. Um, I think we started off with just, I think the momentum was really set in that game by Hollywood's like kind of five yard catch, just in the middle of the field, diving for that ball. Um, just things worked out pretty well. So the New England game was a really memorable one. Uh, the game against SF in the rain with the Justin Tucker 
basically walk off field goal. Um, a lot of good moments that season. Yeah, say so the win at Buffalo they, after that Patriots game, and they they really exposed the Patriots as being kind of a, a paper tiger in terms of that defense was already been talking about it was about being one of the greatest of all time in the league. Yeah, that was not true. <laughs> that was not true. Yeah. And, uh, and then the next three weeks, basically none of the teams could get them off the field. The Bengals 49 to 13, the Texans 41 to seven, the Rams 45 to six. And Lamar didn't play all of those games, but when Lamar was in there, they basically were not stopped um, d- during those weeks. So in Cincinnati, I believe they might've scored every single time. Uh, during the against the Texans, they might have punted a couple times. Sam Cook was on pace for I know a low punt total for the whole year, and then against the Rams, they won forty five six, and um, and I don't believe they were they were stopped often in there, but it was some huge oh, percentage, no, yeah. like you know twenty one out of twenty four touchdowns on on drives they had during that period. Yeah, that was an insane run. I think their points per drive was like over three. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's fifth highest of all time, three point oh eight. And, uh, you know, for a team that was spending nothing cap wise on their offense, just the one of the one of the truly uh, efficient offenses of all time relative to the cap. Oh, yeah, I think that I think especially with how good we were on the offensive line, um, that just that O-line plus Lamar, you didn't really need much else around it. And they just still destroyed every every defense. It was a lot of fun, that's for sure. We hope there's another season like 2019. We hope there's another season with Lamar at this point. Uh, are you are you sure, concerned? Yeah. Um, I am optimistic, maybe naively optimistic, but yeah, I hope it, even even if he plays on the franchise tag, I think they can still build a good team around him. Um, and I think all it really takes is one healthy, full, healthy season of Lamar. Uh, I think that's all we really need to win a Super Bowl. All right. Would you be? Would you be? Uh, you would be okay with him playing under the franchise tag, then, based on what you just said. I, I'm not really eager to have that happen personally. Yeah, I would. I would prefer that. I would much prefer he sign a long term deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a couple uh, kind of projections where he's on the franchise tag with the forty five million dollar cap hit, and it's it's not pretty for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we can retain. It seems like we can retain most of our core players, but. We're basically uh, praying we don't get injured. Right. Which is not a good place to be. If, if I had rank in order what I want, I want Lamar signed is, is way up here. That's high, guys. If you, you can see across your radio <laughs> dial or across your, your, your uh, podcast dial. Um, it, it, down considerably, but still what has to be the next option, I think, is a massive trade. Um, and then pretty far below that would be Lamar playing on the tag. I think that will... Um, it may create some of the issues may come up again at the end of this year in terms of, uh, you know, Lamar being, being careful about things and, and appropriately so because his career and earnings will be on the line at the end of the year. Uh, I don't, I don't, I really don't want that situation to happen again. And, and uh, it, the, the, the plus side of that would be Lamar didn't have that great a year last year. And if he were to play again, he could reestablish his value and, and then it might be another opportunity to trade him. Uh, after 2023. Yeah, I think if we can get a trade compensation of like three first round picks plus a player, which is still a large, I don't know if a team's going to bite on that with the contract they're going to have to give them. Um, but if that were to happen, I would be okay with it. Um, as certainly sad to see Lamar go, but yeah, would be very excited to see what we can do with all this, all that capital. Yeah, very sad too. But you know, the Ravens have never had a lot of draft capital, and effectively, if they got five thousand JJ points for Lamar, 
it would be effectively four years worth of kind of typical Ravens draft capital, three to four uh, years worth of typical Ravens draft capital. And it's going to be very hard for them to say no to that if that kind of a package is is truly offered. And it might be that, that you know, a, the Giants offer it, say, and, and the Ravens end up with Daniel Jones out of the deal. It, it wouldn't be the greatest situation, but, you know, he could potentially be a bridge quarterback until the next guy comes along. Yeah, I think Daniel Jones with – the caliber defense we have, especially if we manage to keep Patrick Queen. Um, I would like to trade Patrick Queen for a second. That might be a bit of a stretch too. Um, but I think if that happens with, um, if Lamar Jackson says we've got to keep Queen, uh, keep that top one defense that has a, has potential to be a top one defense. And even yeah, Daniel Jones or maybe even a, like a top 10 draft quarterback, uh, top like a top 10 pick, um, that could be enough too. All right. Outstanding, Austin. I really appreciate you coming on and talking about that one play. A wonderful choice you made. Tell folks where they can talk football online with you. Yeah, so my Twitter handle is AZV10. I don't really tweet much, but I, I think I just started like last week, so let's try to continue the discussions there. Okay, very cool. Other folks out there, if you'd like to do one, you probably know by now because you've been listening to this, at least I hope you have been, and just DM me on Twitter. They're always open. I'm always interested in hearing one. I have not rejected anybody from, from doing one of these. Of the, some people had to pick a different play because they didn't get their first choice. There is still so much of Ravens history open. I'm trying to provide a few ideas every couple of days uh, so you can look at my tweets for that as well. Austin, thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. <laughs>